Hey, good morning, Journey. You're live? All right, that was pretty good. I got a seven-month-old and got three hours of sleep, but that was nice this morning. We must have some college students in the house. MSU, where you at? Some of them, yeah. You guys took all the LaCroix at Target yesterday. I'm so upset. I was there, I went there. I don't know if you went to Target uh, yesterday, but the parking lot was full. Overflow was happening. I get inside and all my LaCroix is gone. It must have been the college students. And so, hey, but we're excited to have you back. Uh, MSU students. We're actually going to be out there tomorrow. Catapalooza is happening. That's an event that, oh, we can cheer for our college students. Amen. That's an event that happens every year. Actually, last year they had to take a break because of COVID, but it happens uh, every year to welcome back the new students. And we are going to be there. Uh, That is 10, 12, 15 of us. I forget how many people are coming now. Uh, Our volunteer team is coming out just to serve hot dogs and to hang out uh, with the students and um, to invite them to some exciting things coming up, one of which I want to tell you about. Um, I'm your downtown and, and digital engagement pastor. And so part of what I do every time I, I come up here and get to preach the word is give you an update on our downtown location. Many of you know we're starting a downtown location right on Main Street in the hub of Bozeman. It's going to be an incredible community. And we are in the pre launch phase. So, what's the pre launch phase, Alex? Great question. Uh, that is the phase in which we are building the family downtown so that one day we can have an every Sunday service. And so we don't have an every Sunday service yet, but we do have six communities that are launching this fall, three of which are on campus, MSU students, um, some great leaders there. And, and then the other three are in the downtown location or downtown area. We also have Thursday morning prayer at 7 a.m. I made it hard. I made it hard on purpose because I want to see where the true prayer warriors are. So we've got 7 a.m. prayer, Thursday mornings. You can reach out to me, email me, my, uh, my information's on the website. We'll let you know where we meet downtown. We're just praying over downtown. And then we have a worship night coming up on September 30th, right on Main Street at an undisclosed location. <laughs> I will tell you next week where we're gonna be. And it's gonna be real exciting. Uh, we have one of um, the downtown theaters that we're going to partner with that really have said, we want to help you guys get started and just an incredible gift. And so uh, pretty exciting where we get to be on September 30th. Mark it on your calendars, September 30th, 7 p.m. Doors will open at 6.30. It's going to be a huge night of worship. Someone asked me in between services, can I bring my kids? Absolutely. But bring them right into worship. Let's worship together. I want uh, every generation to see what it looks like to worship together. It's going to be an incredible night. And we need a lot of help to make downtown happen. We need a lot of help, um, not just for the worship night, but for everything we have coming up this fall. And so if God has at all tapped you on the shoulder, or if you have a desire in your heart to help us uh, with this downtown location, I want you right now to grab your phone in church. Y'all grab your phone in church and you can scan the QR code right there. It'll take you to a sign-up form. Um, We need help with worship because I ain't singing. Uh, Prayer, set up teardown. What else do I have? Uh, Kids, we need a ton of help with kids. If you love kids and have the gift of that ministry on your life of patience, uh, we need that. And we don't just like throw some graham crackers out on the floor and just like let them be for the service. We're teaching them how to become all in followers of Jesus at their age in their school. And so it's more than kids care, it's kids church. And we also, um, we also have a button where we have a line on there uh, on the join the team. It just says, I'll do anything. 
So if you're like, I wanna, I wanna help out with downtown, I'll do anything, sign up. We would love to have you, give you the vision for downtown. We'll tell you more about that vision in the coming weeks here, but we're real excited for everything that's happening in downtown. So with that said, I wanna go ahead and open the scriptures this morning to Mark 14. We're gonna continue in our series, Anthology. Has the series been good for you? Amen. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a long series. You guys have, have made it through. It's one week left after this. Uh, two months of opening up what songs we sing on a Sunday, what, what texts they come from. Uh, we don't sing just any songs on Sunday. They're linked to biblical texts um, that have rich and deep theology and color and meaning. And today I get to preach on Alabaster Heart, one of my favorite songs. We're gonna sing it in just a minute. But, but beforehand, I wanna give you the story of where it comes from. The text that at which it comes from. It's in Mark 14. If you have your Bibles, you can pull them out. There's like no one that pulled out their Bibles. They must be looking at the Sky Bible. That's cool. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna read through it and I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna get into it. So Mark 14, one through nine, it says this. It says, now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread was only two days away. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in home of Simon the leper, a, a woman, a woman, a woman, a woman, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said, though. Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them at any time, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the entire world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Father, thank you for the moments now we share around your word. In a world in chaos, we need steady. In a world that comes and goes and cultures that come and go and nations that come and go and kings that come and go, let us stand upon the 2,000 foot rock today of your word that is consistent and true and eternal and lasting. I know there's someone in here today that needs hope to be spoken back into their life. They might be believing the lie that the way things are, the way things will always be. And that just ain't true. At the core of our faith is fundamental pillar that you can change any life, any story, at any time. All that's needed is faith. And so I pray you'd speak a word of hope today. I, I pray you'd speak a word of encouragement today, the one that feels overwhelmed with this season. Would you speak encouragement into their soul? Maybe the one that's lonely in here today, not sure if anyone sees them. I pray right now in this moment, you would warm their heart by your spirit, with your love, letting them know, daughter, son, I see you. I love you. I'm for you. And I pray as we open this text up this morning, God, I pray you would speak loudly through it. I really believe that our ability to hear from 
you today has much less to do with my ability to preach and much more to do with our willingness to lean in and listen. So let us do that now. Let the loudest voice we hear be yours. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Y'all remember the first time you were in love? Maybe it was in high school. Hopefully, maybe for some of you, you're sitting next to your first love right now. Amen. Someone wooed that one. I like that. That's cool. Uh, I remember the first time, man, I fell in love. It was the only time I fell in love, still in love, because I was still choosing love, and it's with my wife, Sarah. And Sarah was this Texas girl uh, that flew out to San Diego to, to surf, a Texan that surfed. It was an interesting combo. And um, she flew out there often, and I was in San Diego. And uh, one of our friends said, hey, y'all need to, y'all need to meet. Y'all, y'all need to meet. And I said, well, how are we gonna do that? She said, well, she's, in, she, she's about to take a real estate test. Why don't you reach out to her? You took the real estate test. You passed all that. Why don't you just reach out to her and ask about the real estate test? I said, it's a good idea. So I called her and I said, hey, I hear you're interested in real estate and you're kind of cute. I didn't say that, but I was thinking it. And, and I said, whenever you're back into San Diego, I would love, I would love to take you out. And, and so I, I remember the first date we had, I picked her up at the banana boat bungalow, it was called in Pacific Beach. Some of you know San Diego and right on the beach there. And I picked her up and she got in the car and she said, where are we going? And I said, we're going to church. And she's like, okay, I like it. So any single people in the room today, like great first date idea. Let's really see right away if they're committed to Jesus or not. You know what I'm saying? Not just if it's on their Facebook or Instagram profile or Twitter or whatever they, the kids are doing these days, TikTok, whatever they're doing. <laughs> Let's make sure single people in the room that, that not only they are Christian in name, but in spirit, like they're devoted to God. And I remember taking her, our first date to to the Rock Church in Point Loma, California there. And it was an amazing, amazing time. I dropped her off that day. And I was, after our date, stunned by her beauty. I was in awe, in awe. Awe is this wonder of something. This, this thing that happens inside of you when you're arrested in your spirit and you just are stopped by someone's beauty. I was in awe of her beauty. I was in awe of her personality. I was in awe of her heart and the way in which she loved people and how people told me about the things that she did and the way in which she was following Jesus. And I was stunned. I was in love after day one. It's crazy. You know that crazy kind of love though, right? The crazy kind of love that like in high school where the the guy falls in love with the girl and he actually starts brushing his teeth and cleaning himself up. Like love changes you, high schooler. It still does. Crazy love, it, it, it changes you. Love at its core should change us. What we stand in awe of it, it, it should change us. And, and I was in awe of this girl that day. And I, I remember thinking to myself, this isn't enough. I don't wanna just know her. I want to date her. And, and so a couple weeks after that, or maybe a month after that, I forget. When you're in love, you just forget, right? You remember this. And, and you just start to do crazy things, kind of extravagant things. You don't really care what people say or the wisdom of your parents or, or whoever else. You're just like, Nothing is going to stop me. I'm in love, I'm going. And so she went back to Texas and I said, I'm gonna fly out to surprise her. It's like a month in, right? And so um, I, I, I booked a flight. I booked Delta because I was gonna do this right. We're not going Spirit, we're not going Alliance. We're going premium. I was going Delta. 
And I was so excited. And I got out there and, and I arranged it with her friend. I said, We're, um, I'm coming out to surprise Sarah. She's like, are you, are, are you a keeper or are you a creeper? It's like she was trying to figure out what I was. She wasn't sure. And so, and so I, I, I arranged it with uh, her best friend and we met there. I, I had her bring Sarah to Lake Grapevine right there in Texas. And uh, it was Valentine's Day. And so I called her, Sarah, on the phone and I said, hey, happy Valentine's Day. What you doing? And, and she said, oh, I'm just at this lake and, and uh, we're just having some, some, some fun here with my friends. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, ah, nothing, just chilling. I was 50 feet behind her. And, uh, and, and I just kept talking to her and getting closer and closer and closer to her. And uh, I said, man, I really wish I could be there on Valentine's Day. I'm so sorry. Um, she said, yeah, yeah, it would, it would be kind of cool. And I said, man, I miss you, babe. And she said, yeah, I miss you too. I, I went out with the babe thing. You know, I was, I was asking, I was hoping she was gonna say babe back. She didn't. I was looking for relational like affirmation there and miss you, babe. I got no babe back. And so anyways, I'm right behind her and I remember this, like it was yesterday and I have these flowers in my hand. I said, you know what? It'd actually be really cool if, if we got to see each other on Valentine's Day, turn around. And she turns around and half shock and half like you're crazy came across her face. It was, it was a day I'll never forget. I think the shock was that she hadn't told anybody about me yet. We weren't quite on the same page, I don't think. And so she, she said, hey, we're gonna go grab my friend and I, our, our swimsuits, and, and we'll come back in just a little bit. That was just code for, I need to go tell my dad that you're in town because he don't know about you. And I was like, oh no, because Texas dads, y'all, like they have, they have guns, all right? They had a small militia in their, in their basement. And, and so she went home, told her dad and her parents are the nicest people in the world. Uh, now my mother and father-in-law, but I don't even say in-law, I just say mother and father because we are so tight and we have so much fun. And, uh, and so I don't know why I was still doing this. I guess I thought I was on the phone. Anyone else? Put it down. And so how do we move on? Where was I? And so she went home to tell her dad and, and then she came back and we had this incredible day and then she invited me over to her house and we had this great dinner and it was awesome. And um, then that night, uh, we're longboarding out in uh, Texas uh, on the streets. That's what we like to do. Uh, and uh, I got to the end of the night and I said, listen, I didn't fly all the way out here on Delta uh, to just be, just be your friend. Like, I wanna date you. I wanna be your boyfriend what do you think of that? Is what I asked her. And she looked at me and she said, ah, I just kind of want to be friends. It's like, dang, man, all the way out here. And I had to spend four more days there with my friend. It was, an, it was, it was a nightmare, but it was beautiful. Um, fast forward four years later, we walk down an aisle. We say, I do uh, a couple months after that. Actually, eight months, nine months after that, we have baby Aiden uh, who's in our life now. And she made me work for it a little bit. So women of God, it's okay to make them work for it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And she, she was someone I was in awe of then and I'm in awe of now. When you're in awe of something, it arrests your sensibilities. You, you don't care what other people think, you go for it. You go for it. I, I'm an all-in person, if you can't tell by now. Like we're either sharing the gospel with our city or we're sitting on our couch watching ESPN. We're either pushing back darkness or we're not. We're either sharing the love of Jesus with our town or we're not. Awe 
directs your devotion. What you stand in awe of will direct your entire life. Proverbs talks about this. Guard your heart. It says, for the wellspring of life flows from it. For everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart and what you stand in awe of. Whether you know it or not, today you're in awe of something. You are in awe of something. Ecclesiastes 3.11 said, God put eternity in the heart of man. Who could understand it? Which is to say that our hearts will be restless until we stand in awe of God. Awe produces something in us. And that awe that I had of Sarah, that beauty that stunned me and changed my entire life and the way I lived my life. It's just a sliver of the awe that God wants us to have for his son, that God wants to develop in us for him because he knows you most and he loves you most. He wants to connect you back to his plan for your life, the calling on your life. And we see in our story today, a woman that was in awe and wasn't gonna stop at anything to let anyone dictate her worship. She went to extravagant lengths to show Jesus just how valuable he was to her. And so in this scene, we see this woman come on the scene. In verse three, it says, a woman came with an alabaster jar, of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his Head. The scene is this. There's two days before Passover. The room is filled with some great characters, Simon the leper. And uh, what we know from John's gospel is that the disciples were probably in the room. And uh, John believes that this woman is Mary, Mary, the sister of Martha, Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Why is that detail important? Because this woman that is walking into this room to find Jesus would have seen Jesus raise her brother from the dead just chapters earlier. She would have been in awe, stopped and stunned by the beauty, power, and majesty of Jesus. Do you remember where you were, where you first met Jesus? Man, I remember. It was down the street at a church in Bozeman where the glory of God filled my heart. And I had two things happen. The weight of my sin, my waywardness, and the direction I chose for my life, it met me but so did God's forgiveness and love and his beauty. And I was in awe. I was stunned by the grace of the gospel that Jesus would come for someone like me. This woman was in awe of Jesus. For he stepped down out of heaven to come for her. Jesus' mission statement is to seek and save that which is lost. This woman had come for her and this woman got to see Jesus raised her brother from the dead. She was in awe. And so she does what she knows to do, and that's give him everything. She takes this alabaster jar, which we know from historical texts that it was probably a pale mineral, soft enough for carving, usually white in color, sometimes translucent. Kings would have used it to carve statues at their palaces and it was very valuable. And this particular jar held pure nard. Now, nard was an aromatic oil extracted primarily from a root in India, which made it very costly, very expensive. It was kind of like the essential oil of the day. Long before millennials were slanging essential oils on Etsy, like first century Jewish women had it in their alabaster jars, okay? And so it was expensive. 
I love my millennial friends. I gotta give them some jabs. I am one, um, but I don't sell essential oils yet. Uh, <laughs> she had this jar full of this oil. Many believe though that for this woman, in her context, with her job, with everything that she either did or didn't have going for her in life, many believe that this alabaster jar was the most valuable thing to her. The most expensive possession that she owned. Some scholars even say that it was her dowry. The thing that was most valuable in her life. So can I bring you three observations from this text? The first is this. Jesus is reclining at the table. This woman comes in and interrupts this dinner party. Remember, love will cause you to do crazy things. When you're in awe of something, you don't necessarily consider everyone else's opinion, everyone else's stamp of approval. She didn't walk into the room and say, is it okay if I do this? Like I'm about to break the alabaster jar, the most important thing you know, in my life. Is it okay? If... She just goes straight to Jesus and she takes this alabaster jar and she breaks it on top of his head. Not, not like breaks it on his head. That'd be weird if you knocked out the, the savior of the world. She breaks it on top of his head. The original text says she shatters it to pieces. Now she might just be buff city. Like, I don't know how she does it, but she breaks it and this oil comes out. She breaks it, she breaks it, she breaks it. If we read biblical text too quick, we sometimes miss the nuance, the color, the beauty of it all. She breaks it. What she was willing to break, she was willing to never have again. Do, do, do you feel this? Like, do you feel the intensity of this? Her most valuable possession. She gives up for the prize of her life, her Jesus. The Bible says she breaks it. What you break, you have no intention of picking up again. She had no intention of picking up the pieces of this alabaster jar and putting it back together after she left and said, I can't wait for the next savior. I'm gonna break one on him too. She broke it. She gave it up in worship. And it's this beautiful scene. It's this beautiful scene of a woman giving everything. Isn't it interesting in life how we give ounces to Jesus? Just a little ounce at a time. Just a little at a time. To the God who gave us everything. This text is trying to communicate a message to you and I. God is worth all of our devotion. God is worth the most valuable things in our life. God is worth all of us. Contrary to popular belief in American Christianity, Christianity... Following Jesus isn't an add-on to the American dream. It's a radical redirection of heart until we become all-in followers of Jesus. Adding Jesus to your life is, is so far from the call of the gospel. And it took me years in church to finally get this, that Jesus deserved all my life, not just a part of it. To make him Savior and Lord means an ending of life on my terms, which is a really good, incredible news story for us today. Because no matter how smart we are, wise we are, no matter how many resources 
we have. We could never lead our life like Jesus can. The one who knows you most, loves you most. The one who sees farther than you, leads better than you. I'm 34 years old this week and Jesus is eternity. Who's got a better vantage point on my life? Who's got a better vantage point on your life? Isaiah talks about that his thoughts are bigger than ours, that his ways are bigger than ours, that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so is his thoughts and ways and plans for you. And so this woman, seemingly being like the only person that got it in the room, goes and gives that which is most valuable to her in worship to Jesus. It's interesting how the awe of God, the thing that stops us, the beauty of Jesus' love and sacrifice, it arrests our sensibilities. And it produces in us extravagant acts of worship. When we see Jesus clearly, our life starts to make a lot more sense. And I believe a lot of times we've been given a knockoff Jesus that like you can follow Jesus and follow your dreams for your life, or you can follow Jesus and money, or you can follow Jesus and that promotion. Now, Jesus might lead you to do things in life that you you never thought you could do, or he might lead you to that promotion. But the best prayer that I've ever had in my life is, Jesus, if you were to have your way in this situation, what would it look like? What would my life look like if you would have your way in this situation? It's a constant surrender to God's movement in our life. And this woman wanted to show this Jesus how extravagant her worship could be. The second observation in the text is simply this. The power is in the poor. The Bible says she broke it, but then she pours it out. Isn't it interesting um, that what's inside of something is most valuable when it comes out of something? So any, any wine fans in here today? Wine fans. Nice. People are like, do I raise my hand? Can I? It's church. Yeah, of course. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. I don't drink wine. I don't drink whiskey. I drink LaCroix. Okay. But I know some wine drinkers, you know, and I always laugh when you go to their house and, um, and they have like the bougie wine cellar and there's like the, the hundred bottle wine cellar and, and, and there's all this wine just sitting on the shelf. It looks all pretty. You know, they got the Camus, the Opus One, the 2004 Silver Oak, and it's just sitting on there. It's looking all pretty. It's got the nice little label on it. And I'm like, dang, are you gonna drink that? You're like, no, nah, just look at it. You know, it looks good, right? What's most powerful is when it comes out of the bottle. What's most powerful in this woman's worship is when it came out of the alabaster jar. The power of your life is in the poor is in pouring your life out in service for God, in pouring your life out in worship for him. Some of us have a gift inside of us today that's just been sitting on the shelf. In fact, all of us have a gift inside of us. God made his kids creative. He gifted each and every one of you with something Some of us got multiple things. I just got maybe one thing uh, that I'm still trying to work on. Um, But some of us have multiple gifts that God is asking, when's the last time you poured it out to push forward my gospel? When's the last time you poured it out to bring good news to your neighbor? When's the last time you used that serving gift or that prayer gift or that 
generosity gift or that preaching gift or that whatever gift it might be, when's the last time you poured it out in service to me? You know that the church isn't a few reaching many, it's many reaching a few. The gospel is better off in all of our hands than just a guy up here with a microphone. In a room of this size, let's say there's 500 people in here, in a room of this size, if everyone took seriously the call of God on their life to make disciples, and we invested, every one of us invested into one person this next year, we prayed for them, we invited them to dinner, to coffee, we lived the gospel and then we preached the gospel and shared some of the hardships of life with them and prayed with them and we were always in their corner. And as that person grew in their understanding of God's love, gave their life to Jesus. And if that person then discipled someone else the next year, and then the next year, that person discipled someone else the next year. Do you know that in a room of this size, if we all did that, the whole city would know Jesus in seven years. Revival actually is possible for our city, but it takes all of us. There's a gift inside of you that God's asking you to pour out. See, I wanna make a distinction today. The alabaster jar is two things in your life. It's either a gift of great value inside of you, or it's something that you've placed great value on. A gift inside of you of, of great value, something that only God could give you, a spiritual gift that God is asking you, will you use this to bring my Jesus to the world? Will you use this to invest into people or just into yourself? Will you use, use this to build my kingdom or, or just yours? And, and then for some of us today, the, the alabaster jar is... It's something that we've placed great value on that's keeping us from giving everything like this woman. And I don't know what that is for you, but I believe the spirit of God can, can, can illuminate that for you this morning. Some of us, the thing that we stand in awe of, the thing that we've placed great value on, the thing that's directing our life is a number. It's a number in our bank account. It's a, a size of home. It's the promotion. It's advancing. Or maybe for some of us, like myself, it's control. Maybe the thing you place great value on is control. I just want to control my life, you know? I just want it to be nice, packaged, neat. Let's go to church on Sundays and then we'll see you again on Sunday. Man, God has completely, completely in his glorious grace destroyed that control in my life. And some of the best things I've ever seen in the greatest moves of God have, have been when I've been completely out of control. Do you know that, that the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's control? Think about that for a minute. And the opposite of faith isn't doubt. It's you and I wanting to control life. And this woman says, man, all that I am, all that I have, all that I wish to be, I break it. I pour it out for you, Jesus. I love this text. I love this woman. And it's really interesting what happens next. We see Jesus kind of get a little bit mad at some of the people in the room because the people in the room, as 
this woman is breaking this very expensive alabaster jar. They say in verse four, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste? Why this waste of perfume? I'm gonna close with this and this is just the last observation for today. And here's this woman giving everything. And isn't it interesting that when you start to make a commitment to Jesus, there's a lot of people that'll question it. When you start to pour out some things in your life and say, I actually don't need that anymore. Some people will start to ask why. This woman worships in the face of criticism. I love it. Because what the world sees as a waste, Jesus sees as worship. The world is becoming increasingly hostile to our worship. And I believe God is raising up a new generation of leader, those that are fearless in their commitment, that stand in awe of God and only God. You know what I pray over my son every day before I leave for work? God, raise this little boy up to be one of the greatest leaders of his generation, to fear and stand in awe of only you. Can you imagine a church that stood in awe of only Jesus? Not culture, not entertainment, not comfort, not power, but only Jesus. This woman said, you're worth it. All that I am, all that I have, you're worth it. She breaks the jaw, she pours it out. She worships in the face of criticism, which tells me this about her life. She wasn't afraid to live a life that others didn't understand. So friends, family, do not be afraid to live a life that others do not understand. You might be actually on a really good path if some people question your commitment to Jesus, question your worship to Jesus, question what did you do? You gave what away? You spent your time hanging out with high school kids, middle school kids to help disciple them. You went downtown with the church and helped bring about a new community of faith in downtown. But what did you do with your time? We had like golf last week. You missed it. You missed Monday night football, bro. What's the deal? Oh man, in the grand scheme of life, at the end of your days, the game can wait. Some friends can wait. The mission of God is too important. In a room of this size, we could disciple all of Bozeman in seven years if we poured into one person a year. And that person poured into one person a year. Revival is possible. It takes all of us and it takes a, a kind of leader that is fearless. It stands in awe of just Jesus. There's always gonna be someone that doesn't understand your sacrifice. Verse nine, I love this. It says, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. It tells me this, a life poured out is a life of remembrance. A life poured out is a, a life of remembrance. We're still talking about this woman 2,000 years later because of her one extreme act of radical generosity. It's a beautiful thing when the sacrifice of Jesus matches the worship of his followers. And that day it did for that woman. She knew who Jesus was more clearly than anyone in the room. And we could end the sermon here and we could all go out and try and figure out, man, what do I need to break? Like, what do I need to just get rid of? Or what's inside of me that I need to give to the Lord? But friends, you won't, 
you won't do it until you know about the one who was broken and poured out for you. I'm a firm believer that scripture is a massive neon sign pointing to Jesus, that every scripture you read points to the grand story, the meta narrative of the Bible, which is that God gave his most valuable possession for you. Jesus is the perfect alabaster jar from heaven. This text is pointing us to the true alabaster jar, the one who was broken and poured out for us. And if you're in church for the first time today, or maybe you've been in church a lot of your life, hear the gospel afresh that God came for you. He didn't consider Jesus' equality with God something to be grasped, but he came in the form of a servant for you. Stepped into the mess, got his hands dirty, reclined with sinners, pushed back darkness. He came to seek and save the lost, to heal the sick, to make the blind see, and to set hearts free. The story of the gospel is that Jesus loved you enough to die for you. And he died not just to forgive you, but to know you. Don't take my word for it though. Jesus has some words at the end of his life, the last supper, he says this. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he what? Broke it. He broke it. He gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. In some traditions we say broken for you. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. I love this. The gospel's for everyone. God desires all to be saved. There's no one too far, no one too gone for the goodness and grace of Jesus to turn around their life. Can I just stop for a moment? Keep praying for that person that you don't think can turn to Jesus. Maybe you're a mom in here or a grandma in here or a grandpa in here. My life was changed because of prayer. My life was changed because I had a a mom and dad that never stopped praying, grandmas that never stopped praying, people that I probably don't even know that never stopped praying for that heart to be awakened to the reality of Jesus. And one day it finally was. The gospel is for everyone. and, and, And Jesus says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day that when I drink it new with you in the Father's kingdom, Jesus poured out his soul unto death for us, his body broken, his blood shed, the perfect alabaster jar from heaven, the gift to humanity. And so I just wanna invite you as we enter into this next song, man, what is it for you? What is the thing that's most valuable inside of you that has great value? Or what is the thing that you've placed great value on? As you stare and stand in awe of Jesus, it will arrest your sensibilities. You will start to care less about what the world thinks and you'll start to break things and shatter things and leave things behind you never needed. The farther I go with Jesus, the less I realize I need. The farther I go with Jesus, the more I realize he's all I could ever want. He is the prize of life and this woman got it. And this text is given to us so that we might get it too.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for the moments we share around your word that is powerful. Ooh, it cuts to the heart. Oh, I pray you'd be speaking to some people right now about maybe a gift inside of them that's been on the shelf for some time. And maybe they think, man, it's probably too late to use my gift. It's probably too late to disciple someone. It's probably too late to start a community in my home or to invite people to church or to lead my office and workplace like Jesus would. It's probably a little bit too late. God, I pray that you're right now in this moment that it's not. That at any point in life, we take what you have given to us and we give it back to you. And by faith, pour out our lives for you. That's a life of remembrance. That's the life you desire. I pray if there's some things in here today that are standing in the way of our worship. Some things that we've placed great value on. Some paths that we've traveled down. Let us hear today that it's not too late to just drop it. To just let it shatter into pieces today and worship you. God, I pray you'd call leaders out of this room to take the gospel to this city. I pray you call moms and dads and college students and high school students and grandpas and grandmas, business leaders, teachers, real estate agents, lawyers, baristas, to see what's inside of them. They're ambassador of the gospel. They are the good news to the world. You live inside of them. People need to see what it's like to have hope in Jesus. People need to see what it's like to have the forgiveness of Jesus. Let people ask of us, what's the reason for the hope in you? And let us tell them the good news of the gospel. And Jesus came for someone like me. Now he lives inside of me and he directs my life and my life has incredible joy. There are hard times, but there's joy. There's moments that are tough, but I got my community. I pray God that we would see our city reached as you raise up leaders to reach it with the gospel. We'll never do it though until we see you for who you are the perfect alabaster jar of heaven, broken and poured out on our behalf that whoever should believe in this Jesus shall not perish, but have eternal life. And eternal life starts today. We start pouring into eternity today. We start bringing people to the family of God today. And so if that's you in this room and you wanna make a commitment to Jesus, I pray in this next song, you just lay out your life for him. Say, God, I trust you. I don't understand it all, but I trust you. I see you on that cross that you died for me. You gave me your life so that I might actually find life. I receive you for the forgiveness of my sins and I give you my life to stand in awe of you and to pour it all out in worship. I wanna live a life of remembrance and be remembered by the way in which I followed you. I thank you, God, for this moment. Thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, if you would, would you stand with us? We're gonna sing Alabaster Heart.
Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.